Hello, and welcome to Magic is Real. I am Shannon. I'm your host. I am a psychic medium. And today I have with me Bill Letson, who is a retired fire captain and forester who had a near-death experience. And he's here to talk with us about that experience, but more importantly, what that experience taught him and to share his insights. So Bill, I thank you so much for making yourself available today. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, Shannon. Uh, this is got an awesome uh, channel here. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Bill, I would love to start by talking about your background before you were even a fire captain, because I'd love to know about you and your former beliefs, anything you'd like to share about your, perhaps your childhood, your upbringing, what your spiritual beliefs may or may not have been before you had this experience. Um, yeah, I, I grew up in this area, the center, central part of California on the coast and was a surfer and outdoors all the time. Uh, my childhood was perfect. My parents were awesome. Um, perfect, you know, perfect people. And um, yeah, everything was normal. I played sports, you know, I was a swimmer and played water polo and, um, and the surfing kind of took over, you know, when 10th grade you turned into a little surf rat with all your swimmer buddies. And uh, it was an epic youth you know perfect like a storybook in a small town and i was raised catholic and you know you once you get into your teens you realize that there's a bunch of people in a big building and mostly they don't want to be there and you know there's not the spiritual what i found it was the spiritual part the connection was out in nature it was surfing and it was uh, running in the hills with my buddies and my dogs. And that's when you're really connected, I think, to what we're doing here. Yeah. And, you know, Catholicism, we, we had a old timer, Father McGrath, and he was just up there raging, you know, for 20 minutes every week of fire and brimstone. And all. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was right out of, you know, an old movie, uh, Irish Catholic priest. Yeah. Did you believe in what he and others were preaching at the time? I believe there was something fundamentally running this place, yeah. but not necessarily caked on with guilt and shame and, you know, all this anxiety that comes with um, that whole thing. Yeah. What was it that inspired you to become a firefighter? Um, I, I was, I, I really wanted to do the forestry thing. So I, after high school, I was going to Cal Poly. I think I was 18, 19. I was in Cal Poly. And um, one of the first classes I took was a class called fire control. And the guy was a, an old forester and and I mean, it was just really cool about, you know, how fire spreads naturally, you know, with humidity and temperature and slope and how people, you know, all the resources that work to get it under control. And it was just seemed so challenging and so arduous and, you know, dangerous. I kind of liked it that it was, you know, a risky thing. And so I was coming back from the beach one day, uh, and I just had like flip flops and shorts on and this fire was burning up on the hill. And I, I knew there was a home up there. It was just a remote place on the coast. And so I pulled over and I just scrambled up the hill and my, you know, I, I don't even think I had a shirt on. And I came over this rise and there was a woman there and this fire was coming right at her house and she was freaking out. And she was in her, probably in her late thirties and she had a couple of kids and a couple of, uh, and a dog and had a bunch of puppies and she was losing it. And I just came busting through the brush and I said, I think I can help, you know, and got a hose going and got a shovel and uh, turned the fire. And um, fire department showed up a little while later, you know, the fire kept on going on up the hill and as they came by, they, they said, who did all this? And it was, it was like this guy over here, this 
this super surfer that came out of nowhere and uh they were like you you should come by the station we got we got work for you and so yeah i was hooked i was hooked on the fact that she was at her wits end and i was i could help and yeah. i didn't know much but it worked out and uh so yeah i was hooked on that whole thing of um putting yourself out there to help others yeah it's, that's that's rewarding yeah yeah no, it's rewarding what? and you know it's not it's cops are the same mm -hmm. you know they got a tough job because of all these personalities of um but you know nurses and teachers and uh a lot there's a lot of professions that they're putting themselves out there and that's a big step in our development when you're you know helping others yeah definitely and you may imagine that firefighters only put out fires but leading uh the incident that led to your near-death experience is actually that sometimes you get called to for other situations what kind of situations were you uh, were you being called on? Sometimes it's it's um, people, I guess, medical emergencies as well. That was a really good segue, Shannon. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> that was brilliant. Um, yeah, fire departments, you know, it, it started slow in the 60s, but they started going to all medical calls and then um, started adding paramedics to the fire engines. So we had fire paramedics and they do both. And so, yeah, in, in the West, it's a, a big uh, part of EMS, emergency mm -hmm. medical services, is the fire department response. And in 94, I was, you know, I, I kept promoting in that fire department, Santa Barbara County Fire Department. And I was on an engine driving, engine 11 down in Santa Barbara. And um, in 94, there was a big flu thing going on. And we were running on these patients and we got this one lady and uh, she was really serious. So we just, you know, as soon as we found her in the back, we just started, you know, rolling furniture out of the way and um, getting oxygen on her and things. And in the middle of all this, she exhaled into my face and, you know, I was working around her and I took a breath squared in just full and everybody always cringes at that. Um, mm -hmm. And we've all done it with a little child or a dog or something. You take their hot breath in. And so, yeah, so I got sick from that. She turned out great. I got sick. And a couple of days later, this flu was, this particular flu, there's a lot of NDEers that, ha that had this in uh, 94. It was called the Beijing flu or the Hong Kong flu. It was, it was pretty serious. Um, but it was really powerful. And within a couple of days, uh, I couldn't get ahead of it. And I was seriously dehydrated um, a couple of days later. And, you know, my pulse was just racing and uh, it, it was hard to get out of bed. And, uh, and my blood pressure, I did, I noticed that I look like a, just a dark skeleton. And I'm like, man, something's going on here. And I couldn't get a pulse at my wrist, which means your blood pressure has dropped below 80. Um, 80 systolic, you know, it usually should be 120 over 80. So I was in 70s over whatever, 40 or something. And it felt like it. Um, I couldn't talk. And anyway, I got some help. And fire department came, ambulance came. And they got me in an ambulance and started IVs and got me into a hospital. And the, the hospital was full of people. They were, it was all the same thing, you know, this flu. And, um, you know, the kids and the older folks took priority. So I got in a room and they kind of said, we'll get to you when we can and kept the IVs coming. And, um, you know, they were trying to get ahead of it. So they sent everybody they gave everybody the same thing these drugs for nausea and something for pain and uh, you know like i said they were overwhelmed and the nurse just pushed it in all at once and um you know my wife was there some friends were there and i was sitting up thinking you know maybe i could sneak out the back because i was feeling so much better with a couple of um leaders 
And anyway, she pushed it in and I just went straight back. Uh, my wife said, your eyes rolled back at, like a cartoon and you just fell straight back on the bed. And a couple of your friends thought you were clowning around and you were gone and they've freaked out. They came in and they narcan you a bunch of times and they never, she said, the only blood pressure I heard was 40 over zero. And she was writing everything down. And, you know, my, you know, I looked pretty tough because I was doing Ironmans and I was a, a, you know, a younger fireman, you know, in my thirties, but my system was, you know, shot. I came in there on my knees, um, health wise. And when, you know, that those drugs were just a knockout punch and I was out cold and they put me up in, um, intensive care for the night and they had, you know, head down and a couple of IVs rolling and, um, they didn't know why they couldn't get me back. You know, I was out for 13 hours or more. And sometime during that night, um, it was 3.30 in the afternoon and this, all this happened. And But sometime during that night, I left my body. And did you want to go into that? Yeah, you can just roll right in, Bill. Okay. I was, uh, I found myself, like that background behind you, I found myself flying through this, just this sky full of stars. And they were these colored stars and they were welcoming. It's like they were parting and I was flying through these um that's all I could call them for years was stars, but you know, it was like orbs, you know, they had different colors, they had different energies and this, just this welcoming and this, these emotions of love and acceptance and belonging and color and light. And it was all flowing like music. Um, all of these things were combined and I was absolutely ecstatic. It was euphoric. Um, I called it, uh, I've, I've called it this every time I told the story, but it was like a cosmic orgasm. And it wasn't just something that happened. It was, that was a standing wave of euphoric bliss. And that's what we all come from. And I was flying along and I, and the, and I was, I mean, I wasn't Bill and I absolutely knew it immediately. And my first comment to myself, because I was still me, um, you know, I wasn't a human and I wasn't uh, on earth, but I was still Bill. I was still that voice in my head that, you know, our perspective uh, as we roll around, uh, during our, you know, in our waking lives and stuff, it was like a seamless, flawless change. But as I flew along, I was like, what was that? Meaning my life um, on earth as a person. And I was like, that was gnarly. That was so hard. And there was nothing hard ab about my life. Um, really compared to what's the stories out there um but yeah that was so hard and i kept saying how in the world did i forget who i really was how is it possible that i could be tricked that well into believing i was this dude who had this whole personality and this group of friends and likes and dislikes and you know, thoughts of uh, what he was and what he wanted to accomplish. And all of that was, it was like it was a game. It was like I was pretending to be that guy, this guy you're talking to. And I wasn't, I didn't have knowledge of that. I was completely lost in the character and that was just a, a remarkable kind of um, thing to realize that we aren't these people. We, we are this hugely expanded being, this infinite, eternal, wise, kind, euphoric being that belongs to this, uh, this star 
the sea of stars and this it's just got this love that's just running the whole thing so yeah the thought of going back was like out of the question instantly and i was flying along and i was loving it and i'm like man i could do this forever and then all of a sudden i was in another place uh it was a solid place it was uh it had indirect lighting it was like a complete shift in um the dimension you know the um frequency uh was down a little bit but i was in this solid place and it was like a facility it was like a clinic and there was you know beds there and there was equipment on the walls and right in front of me were these three short little dumpy hooded guys and they were bouncing around they were absolutely stoked to see me they were smiling wildly and they were giggling and um they were you, it was like a bunch of puppies you're suddenly in a room with a bunch of puppies that you know are the sweetest beings you'll ever meet and they were asking me all these questions uh like how was it what what can you tell us what do you remember and i was looking at them sort of dumbfounded and they thought you know this was very amusing to them they were giggling and one came up real close and said he doesn't remember us and um they giggled some more and and it was really fun it was you know was, i was with these munchkins and and then in the background there was this uh, other guy and he was this tall um wispy guy he was like this spinning energy like a you know like a whirlpool or or a um like a little mini tornado and but there was a guy there there was a sliver of a guy there and i've always called him uh, like a stretched out gumby or a walking stick insect um because he had this he was tall and he had this wonderful smile and these bright eyes and and he had this he had this energy just spinning around him and as he came you know came forward towards me that energy was engulfed me and my throat just clamped up and my chest got really inflated um like you're watching a, a really heartfelt movie and and then um you wanted to cry uh because it was because it was such a wonderful moment in this movie and with him it felt as he moved closer he had this big smile he's absolutely stoked and as he moved closer to me um i felt like i was going to drop to my knees and cry uncontrollably from love there was so much love coming from this this guy that it was overwhelming and they didn't there wasn't a lot going on he he chuckled a lot and i could feel his chuckle inside of me and he it was like a it was like a relationship of a father and a child and you could tell he just adored me so yeah he just adored me and it was like a like i said it was like a um father and uh looking down at a child and so i'm looking around at this and you know i'm very very clear i'm in some sort of facility of some sort and i'm thinking well i got to clear out of here and and i knew that you know i wasn't bill anymore my understanding was bill had died and that didn't bother me in the least it was an absolute relief it was like i'd been let out of a stuffy hot dark closet and i was this huge expanded awareness and you know that's what i experienced in that first place and i wanted to go back to that um you know the clinic was cool and all the guys there were cool but i wanted to go back to that expanse because it it felt like i was this huge cloud and every atom in me was just the cool breeze was blowing through every atom and everything was giggling it was so happy everything was just 
this euphoria was in every cell. So, um, yeah, I wanted to go back to that. And so I, you know, these guys were bouncing around and he was chuckling and they were giggling and nothing was really seemed to be going on. And, um, so I said, so you guys, uh, you know, we've all heard our life flashes before our eyes or we're judged or there's a review. And I said, so you guys want to like go through my life? Yeah. Uh, you know, you guys want to get, get to that part, you know, and uh, want to get that started. And the big guy, the big tall wispy guy, he just started cracking up and he thought that was the funniest thing that I would suggest that. And and he said, sure, sure, let's do that. How do you want to start? And, you know, that alone, that's just the nature on the other side. Everything is just easy. And so I started uh, telling some stories. It wasn't a real review of my life. I didn't really, you know, I wasn't shown things that I'd done that hurt people or um, things I didn't even understand how I hurt people, but you it's what we do. Um, but none of that happened. I just talked for a while. Uh, I wanted to talk my way out of that place. And after a while, I realized nobody was listening. Uh, they didn't care. They The little guys were bouncing around, giggling like the Three Stooges. And then um, he was trying to look, sort of looking at them and chuckling and looking at me and chuckling. And, um, and then uh, he, out of nowhere, he just goes, okay, that's enough. Time to go back. And that just floored me. I was like, dude, what? Go back? I'm not going back there. And uh, he goes, yeah, you got to go back. You got things to do and they're important. And I tried, you know, some more things. I said, look, I'm, I'm almost 40. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much shot. My life's over. And uh, he thought that was fu funny. And I said, you know, I won't be, I won't be that missed. Um, I got lots of friends and, you know, they'll think of me, but, you know, I'm, I don't have a lot of people depending on me. My wife, she'll be sad. My parents will be sad, but, but they're really tough people. They, They'll get over it. It'll be a couple of weeks, but they'll get, they'll a come through of it. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, oh, he You're thought that humble. was funny. Yeah. He thought that was funny and he chuckled some more. And then he goes, no, man, you're going back. And uh, as he came forward, that whole spinning energy that was him um, engulfed me. And his intention was I was to go back. And I just, the facility that I was in just started to break up. It started to spin away. And then he sort of evaporated in front of me. And I dropped away into darkness. Um, it was definitely a drop in frequency. And it felt like a drop in, you know, elevation. And I ended up down near my body. And before I went in my body or as I was uh, reintegrating with my body or whatever, it was just this incredibly, uh, these incredible feelings of loneliness and dismal. And it, you just didn't want to be there at all. Uh, and, and people talk about this, you know, this realm that we don't want to go to the other place. And I've said that it could be that that is very close to where we are in the physical mm -hmm. or it could be that you know downloading that whole thing that was bill with all the you know emotions that he carried the um, baggage and stuff loading that back on was like having a dump truck just unload a whole thing of gravel on top of you it was so you know it was so debilitating um what we deal with here and how none of that goes with us. It stays here. Mm. So um, I, I woke up in the, um, in the uh, intensive care, it was still dark and I could see the numbers on the equipment that was sort of monitoring me. And um, over the next hour or so, it 
I kept waking up and seeing the vital signs improving. And I got to a point where I could stay awake and uh, sorry, the dogs and cats are all. <laughs> and I got to where I could stay awake and I was looking around and the nurse walked by and she was like shocked. She was like, you're awake. And I'm like, yes, I am. I need to talk to you. And she said, okay, I mean, I have to go get the doctor. We we didn't know why you were so far gone. We don't know. We didn't know what was happening. And, you know, if you were even coming back, um, and I, you know, I could see how that would be possible, you know, coma for, um, for a long time or something. But I was back and she said she had to go get the doctor. And I said, yeah, that's cool. You can get the doctor. But first, um, what am I doing back here? I just had to get that out because it was so disappointing. Um, I was pissed and despondent that I'd been cut off from where we all go when we leave. And um, and I said, you know, I, I was dead. Bill was gone. I had bought the farm and I knew it. And she said, honey, you were in escrow yeah. and you fell out of escrow. And now you're back with us. And, uh, you know, she had her hands on my shoulders and she was looking eye to eye, you know, this soul to soul, the eyes of the windows to the soul. And she just said, you're going to have to get your head around that. And the message was, you're back here, you're back in bill. And, you know, I was just, I was just really thankful for that years later because, you know, I was grounded, uh, instantly grounded. And all that, those flighty thoughts and uh, of that uh, euphoria and stuff was like, okay, that's not where I am anymore. And that, that's unusual for NDEers. A lot of them go through years of uh, questioning, um, why am I stuck back here? And, you know, they go through um, depression yeah. and a lot of addiction stories and stuff and and i skipped all that and that was that was really cool um to hear that and so i was sick for you know i was at home on on the couch for a few days and i was sad off and on with that and then i got back to work and um everybody you know all the guys are like dude we heard something happened in the hospital what happened and so I would, every time I'd say, sit down, I will tell you everything. And uh, I wanted to pass that on because it's, you know, it was, it was shocking how much of a trick that we're involved in here, uh, mm -hmm. a game. And, you know, I, the, the message was, this isn't real. Whatever goes on in your life, don't get too upset with it. It's not real. It's we're here having fun we're pretending yeah. to be these characters it's like we're in a movie or a play or something and, and sometimes it's a nightmare and sometimes it's a nightmare sure and I, I just got a new tattoo and it says life is but a dream right that's good <laughs> to remind that, myself yeah that, that's absolutely the truth um and it's you know, we got this thing about death and the moment we cross over and all this, you know, pain and separation. It's like, that's not what happens. It's a, it's an immediate upgrade, um, 10 million percent upgrade instantly. And you don't even really, you know, a lot of NDEers, they don't know they're dead. They're wandering around in some situation and it's that. They're not dead. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they, yeah. there's never any dying. And, but yeah, now, uh, I know a lot of people do have that reintegration difficulty because it's, it's jarring to remember who you are and then have to come back into this density. How did you acclimate? Did you just kind of, I know you said you got back to work and you just kind of got back into the flow of things. Did you have moments of what am I doing here? And 
And also, it sounds like you already had an understanding of near-death experiences before you had yours, which I would assume helps to make sense of what it was. Yeah, um, I really didn't have an a understanding of near-death experiences. Because yeah, when you said that you were over on the other side and you were like, can we start the life review now? It, you know, to some degree, you understood that that's kind of what happens when you cross over. Yeah, I I did. And that goes back. I think that goes back, you know, like your grandmother would say, yeah, my life flashed before my eyes. Or it's that a was, wonderful life. The movie. I haven't watched that. Is that? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it's a wonderful life every the Christmas movie. And I, I know whoever wrote that obviously had some understanding of what happens when you leave your body and about guardian angels and, and things like that. Yeah. There's a lot of that stuff in movies. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, once, once you start having experiences, it's like, Oh my goodness, these I've seen this movie before and I never saw what I'm seeing now. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll have to watch that one. Now, you and I spoke before, we'll just kind of go into this topic because there's so I have so many questions, I so many directions I could go in, but I'd asked you, what's one thing that's sort of um, a, a topic that's like a, a, that you're passionate about that you'd like to share? And what was it that you, how did you answer me? Um, what I said was that there is a um, group in the world that is the future, the salvation future of humanity. And this is the mediums and the channels. Um, the people who genuinely are, are doing these things and it's a passion with them. And um, it really is because the, there's a couple that have contacted me and they've gone way out of their way just to have a conversation, um, just to meet face to face. And it's very obvious that one of them was uh, this lady down in LA. And she said, where you've gone, where you went to with this clinic and, you know, th th this is a, a like a middle astral or um, realm mm -hmm. and where we do this healing and then we go out into this astral city. There's a movie called Astral City um, from this from this channel, from this medium. Uh, his name is Chico Xavier and he channeled this whole story about you know, this sort of other side, rough realm, and then this medium realm, and then this um, upper astral, you know, heaven. And that was kind of my NDE. It was a whirlwind tour of those dimensions. Um, I absolutely knew I was changing realms, um, changing dimensions. Um, as I came back, they got denser and heavier. You mentioned that. Uh, until it was almost unbearable down here. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the mediums and the channels, um, they know stuff. And the rest of us have pretty much forgotten it. it it's, it's, it's locked away in esoteric wisdom and that's the way it should be. Uh, you know, well, I was going to ask you, when you say the rest of us, a lot of people come back to this dimension, now having knowledge of who they really are, did you come back and notice your intuitive abilities heightened? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't anything um, boom. It just didn't happen all at once. But slowly over the years, it was like, okay, I know this person. I don't know what it is, but this person's up to no good. Yeah. Um, it was all over you like a you know like somebody threw a wet blanket on you it's mm -hmm. the the energy level was low and something else happened that happened with me is i was doing all this counting oh you know i was running a lot and swimming and then i just had this counting and then i bought some drums and it was really easy and i got in these bands so this whole thing with music uh music is very mathematical yeah and the universe is math, you know, 
it's all very organized. And so that came in and also this intuitive thing about um, just about a person's intention, their motivations. It was, you know, it, be, it was very clear when, you know, who was a pure soul, like a child and, and who was, all right, I'm out to somehow benefit somehow from something. Right. So you can tell people's okay. intentions. You can read their energy in a sense. Do you feel like that ability comes and goes or has it lessened just because you're not focusing on it or has it increased? What's been the pattern since this happened? It's been on a steady increase. Yeah. And, you know, probably like you now, a trip to the grocery store, you've kind of got to get yourself ready um, for, you know, things you're going to pass through. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that are, you know, desperately um, unhappy and that energy is all around them and their shopping cart and you don't want to be near it. Yeah. And sometimes my mom just told me today that uh, she's very intuitive and uh, she said she was just walking down it through a store and saw this mother and son. And she said, I just, all of a sudden I felt this wave of how much they loved each other. It sounds so simple. It wasn't just like, oh, there's a mother and son, the, a grown son and an older mother. She said, I had this intense knowing that they just have this really special bond and this love and that's it. That's all she felt. But it was like, I know how intuitive she is. And she's like, it was such a strange feeling to suddenly be in their energy in that way. Right. So sometimes it's a beautiful thing where if someone's got this beautiful energy, you just it fills you up because you've absorbed it. And then conversely, you have to know when to create boundaries as well, because there's there's so many people experiencing trauma. And yeah. you can you can kind of take that on. Yeah, and um and that's cool. And you you when you lead with that good energy that you know is coming from the other side, you can other people light up uh yeah. when they see it. And a lot of times when you feel that bad energy, if you look at their shopping cart, mm -hmm. uh, it's full of alcohol, you know, it's full yeah. of distilled spirits and, and Doritos <laughs> <laughs> and junk yeah. food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that processed food. And um, it's, uh, it's really obvious that that can bring you straight down. Yeah. Now I have a question for you that somebody asked me the other day, I've been doing shorts to answer viewer questions, but I'd love to ask you what you think. Um, she asked me, and I know that you didn't have this experience, but I would just love to know what your feeling is. She asked me, "Is does hell exist? And I just would love to know what you've gathered, because I know that you've been on a real quest, a spiritual quest, and done a lot of research and digging. And even if you didn't experience it yourself, nor have I, I would love to know what your general thoughts are about that. Um, my thoughts are it's it's created by, you know, the other side is um, a thought driven realm. And if you go into that realm, you know, die, the, uh, thinking you are full of uh, guilt and shame and you deserve to be punished, then you'll, there's a couple of NDEers that tell this whole story that that's where they went because they believed they were sinners. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after a few, this woman was in a coma for weeks, but she said, after a few weeks of just going through these hell scenarios, um, she just said, I'm not doing this anymore. And she started singing a spiritual uplifting song and she popped right out of, of hell. Um, so it's a, you know, it's a thought form realm and our thoughts manifest instantly on the other side. And I think we're here to get our act together before we're let loose out there in the universe. Uh, you know, to we, we have to be done with those um, lower vibrational thoughts, those things like um, anxiety and jealousy and all these things we have to be done with them we've run through enough lives and 
got our fill of them and we want to we want to fit in back home um i think that's what's going on i agree that, completely that's what i was going to say when i did my short about that i wanted to hear your thoughts that it's a state of mind that hell is sort of your own creation based on your belief system just like when you go over to the other side you may run into jesus or the buddha or um and it, it, sometimes it depends on your belief system. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's who you expect to see. Uh, and because everyone's NDE is the same, but with different details. And so I feel like it's kind of a tailored thing based on your perceptions and your belief systems to a degree. Because I also know people that were completely atheistic who still met Jesus. And um I've come to believe that Jesus is a is an entity, is a is a spirit. Uh, I don't know what his. Do you have feelings about about him? Yeah, I, there's this um, podcast. It's called Wise Quotes. They mm -hmm. make these videos, and they had this one. Um, and there, and this is like a treasure chest of wisdom. Yeah. And there was this one thing it talked about all of these ascended masters. There was like I don't know eight or ten of them. And Jesus Christ was one of them. Yeah. So th there's something there. I think some religions have gone astray with the name, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and his um, position in the universe. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. And yeah, I, I. I don't say I know either. I just. I find it. I think. That's I do believe that he's an ascended master of sorts. Um, and I know that Christians do believe that he is literally the son of God. And it's OK. You know, I'm open to, to all of it. I was just curious uh, because I know that uh, sometimes people do see him even when they don't expect to. But on that note, I really would love to know when you said that my last guest said the exact same thing, Brie Lafferty, that she was able to the minute she had a thought, it became reality. Right. And so we were talking about how does that translate into where the density that we're in now and the idea of manifestation, because and and the movie The Matrix kind of touches on this as well, where you think something and there it is. Are we able to do that in this realm to a degree? What are, do we have blocks to that? Can we create our own reality with our thoughts? Yeah, yeah, we can. It's not immediate. Yeah, but um what she said but you know i wanted and we have this whole thing with linear time here and this big illusion but yeah, talk you know, about i wanted that to too. i wanted to be a fireman and every mm -hmm. morning i'd wake up and look in the mirror to brush my teeth and i'd say well there's that badge i have a badge hanging on my and i would see it in my mind and you know it's not that's not easy to get through all those tests and stuff um Thousands of people show up for two jobs, um, but I saw it in my mind, and you know it manifested pretty young in life. So, yeah, I've seen it happen in my own life in ways that only later am I like, oh my god, I manifested this when I was right. fifteen, but I just didn't, I didn't even know that it was going to shape my entire life. Just I remember thinking, I want to live in L.A. And then my dad was like, we're moving to California. I didn't do it. Like, I didn't even move there of my own volition. My dad's job took us there. Um, and I had, like, Hollywood posters all over my room. And I was always like, oh, I want to be an actor. But I was like, not me. I'm just dorky kid who's really insecure. Ended up becoming an actor. Um, it, one night went out and there were all these people at this music club, all friends. And I, I was like... I want a group of people like that. I want that community. I would love that. And then years later, this guy was like, hey, I work at a music club. Do you want to run the door? I ended up becoming a booker, a music booker. Um, and I ran this music club. And one night I walked into the music venue and there were like, I mean, 100 people there that I knew. And everyone was like, Shannon, Shannon. And like, we were all hugging. And I realized, oh my God, this is what I said I wanted. But I didn't do anything to get there. It just... It was like I saw my life, right? And now it became my whole life, my whole community, my whole. And I, it's so interesting that I can see all the places where 
I had that thought and it did become something without me even really trying. It wasn't this conscious manifestation. Right. Which is yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Even that's people, cool. right, that you've attracted into your life. Like, it was like this musician that I didn't even know. And I thought, if we only knew each other, I know that we would date. And it turned out that I met him and he was like, I have to know you. And then we ended up dating. And it was like, just, you know, things like that, where I'm like, how did that all, but I can see that it's all part of the, the, so my question to you is, did we manifest that or was that already our destiny? So we sort of foresaw it or both. I think it was, I think it was our destiny. I think yeah. everything is, if you watch the movie, um, the adjustment bureau, Oh, I uh, seen it. that's a really good movie. And, uh, you know, everything is scripted and, you know, the guys where I was on my near death experience, the, you know, a lot of people, they call this alien abduction or, um, you know, or demons or something like that. And I don't think it's any of that. I, I think, we signed up for the amusement park earth yeah and these guys are kind of running the ride you know they're like the carnies or the orderlies or uh they're behind the scenes and you know there are beings around us all the time and you know I have this kundalini rising thing that if i sit quietly there are light beings you know, all around us and their energy pours through me and it's incredibly blissful, like my near death experience. And, um, that's what we're all into. We just don't know it. And, yeah. and we're not supposed to know it until we're supposed to know it. And right. So, yeah, we've scripted, you know, we, we came here for all the adventures and the joy and all the accomplishments and we also came here for, you know, a few tsunamis coming through our lives mm -hmm. and really testing us um, with loss or disappointment or, you know, whatever. And we're here to, we, we came here to experience them. It's, yeah. we made like a, a recipe and, you know, there's all these, we've heard all this, you know, that there's a couple dozen souls in our soul group and some of them are your worst enemies that yeah. pop into your life to really push your buttons and see how you're going to go is it going to be you know fear and reprisal or is it going to be love and understanding and yeah that's yeah. what we're into here it's yeah. cool so cool i mean it's it can be tough but like i said that musician that i was like I ha I like just if only we knew each other and then we ended up together was a painful lesson. It was a it was a definite lesson. It wasn't a romance. It was it was a really important, pivotal relationship in my life that I feel that tied back to a lot of my issues and things that came up around that. And um, so it, I know that we were meant to have that experience together. So it's uh, and not because it was going to be bliss, but because it was going to cause pain, but it was going to cause me to wake up to some things that I needed to see. I would love to hear more about this Kundalini stuff with you. Oh, well. Um, so, yeah, I went back to work and I told my story for a few weeks and then it kind of came down from the chief's office. You know, we don't want to hear this story anymore. It kind of backdoor stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it. So. I zipped it uh, for about 15 years, and mm. then I retired in 2010. And that whole thing, you know, I just got right back into character. Um, I always knew it was there, that it was real. I didn't dismiss it, and I didn't diminish it. But, it, you know, it, it couldn't be a part of this fire captain. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want weirdos as um, in those jobs. And, and it was cool. I was okay with it. But when I re did retire, this longing came to um, explore Central America. You, you, you get down there in those blue mm -hmm. zones and the intentions of those indigenous people and things are so much higher. Yeah. This like there's this vortex of goodness and you just connect um, 
And, you know, I was going for years, going back and forth. And when you come back to the States, um, any kind of visions or something, it's like a wet horse blanket is thrown on top of you. And because it's really chaotic here, um, you know, with those energies. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was, I, it was, it was nutty. Um, and like I said, it went on for three or four years. And one of the things that sort of started that was after I retired, I watched this movie, DMT, The Spirit Molecule. And I thought Straussman was good. Dr. Rick Straussman, he did this experiments with the University of Mexico where he put DMT, IV DMT into 400 volunteers. And, and he wrote this book about it. And most of them went to where I went. They went to a facility with short little fun-loving guys, joyful, playful guys. And they saw three little guys and a taller guy that seemed they to be in did? charge. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's repeatedly, it's in the book. And I watched the movie and then I, something about Straussman, I bought the book like a week later, which I never have done that. And um, I kind of poked around the book a little bit. But when I got to chapter 13 and 14, which was called Contact Through the Veil, uh, and I read about these entities that all these people went and saw, um, that blew my mind because, you know, I wasn't being injected with DMT. I, I had this life-threatening thing where I left my body. And so what they say about the pineal gland, you know, that when we die, the pineal gland uh, splashes some DMT on the brain and it rockets the soul out. And that's what he was recreating that in his um, experiments. And, you know, a lot of these kids that do DMT as a drug, as a kick, um, they write to me and they say, your, your NDE story is exactly like my DMT breakthrough story. And, I, and I'll say, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, you are mimicking a death experience when you um, smoke DMT. Right. You're and DMT right. is the molecule that's in every living thing. Is that it's that's right. And that and they call it the God molecule. Right. It right. takes you back to source. But every single thing living thing contains this compound. Yeah. It's a you know, you get it through the shamanic breath work. You you're creating a DMT yeah. release and you get it through, you know, people smoking it and and you get it when you die. You go back to source mm -hmm. and long story short is DMT is a doorway uh, to another realm and it's incredibly sacred. Um, and, you know, these kids are using it as a, as a high and then they're saying it's a hallucinogen and you're tripping and right. it's like, no, you're not tripping. You're actually <laughs> there. <laughs> you're yeah. traveling. That's what a lot of people say that are skeptics. They're like, well, yeah, when you die, your brain releases DMT, so you hallucinate to sort of ease the pain of dying. The thing is, who are those three little guys, those three little chuckling guys, and who is that tall, wispy guy? And there's so many similarities in the messages that are received that I just can't discount that. As And also, I know from speaking to people like you, every single one of you has said that when you crossed over, that experience was realer than this reality, this reality. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. That you knew so, that, that that you were like, this is where I really am from. Go on. Yeah, and you and I talked about the movies earlier. Um, we, we could talk for hours about how many messages in movies. But in the last few years, you know, uh, when I was a kid, um, they showed the um, Wizard of Oz, you mm -hmm. know, one day, uh, a Sunday and the whole country watched glued to the TV to watch the wizard of Oz. And in that movie, Dorothy, uh, and the name Dorothy means gift from God. Um, she's in this black and white drab existence, you know, in this Kansas thing. And there's some mean people that want to kill her dog. And then here comes this vortex, you know, this twister, and she gets left out of the basement and she gets in the farmhouse and the farmhouse gets 
starts getting rattled by the twister and a window comes off and it hits Dorothy in the head and she goes down on the bed. And if you watch the movie, she starts this lighter version of her pulls away and Dorothy is in a near-death experience. You know what? That is the most <laughs> profound movie in my life. It's going in my book. It's it's a whole thing. That movie was like majorly important in my in my life and I never thought of it as a near-death experience and I just got chills from head to toe when you said that everybody does yeah everybody does and all you guys that you know are working to help others all of you freak out and sometimes they have to edit it out because <laughs> they're like oh my god mine but anyway <laughs> but anyway so you know, then the house lands and she's in this black and white. She opens the door and she steps out. The munchkins. She steps out into all that beautiful color. The lollipop she's, guild. Yeah. She steps out into that all that color. If you watch that scene, it's these beautiful flowers and these giant, you know, everything's green and alive. And music is flowing on the um Air and water is flowing all around the, the place, and it's just beautiful. And so when you're, so when people say that place was more real than where I am now, that's what that scene is telling you. Yes, that's true. It's incredibly beautiful to go home, and yeah. And then there's all these giggling munchkins, and they come to her in groups of three, and. They're very playful, uh, almost mischievous, and they're joyful, and they're sweethearts. Um, and, you know, Dorothy shows up, and Dorothy, or excuse me, Glenda shows up. Glenda shows up in a giant orb, you know, mm -hmm. with the beautiful colors of the divine. And she steps away from her orb, and she's very sweet to Dorothy. You know, Glenda is Dorothy's higher self. And she gets her set up, gets her on the road, on her journey yep. in this world uh, or in her journey to, to learn things. And um, so, uh, yeah, Linda is Dorothy's higher self. Dorothy is the gift from God, the temporary human experience. And then she sends her off on the yellow brick road with these three characters, one looking for a brain, one looking for a heart, and one looking for courage. And the message I clearly get, and, and I, this all came to me somehow, yeah. but the message I clearly get is once we get control of our thoughts and choose those higher vibrational reactions, thoughts, plans, intentions, once we do that and we live our lives from the intelligence of the heart, sweetness and kindness and helpfulness um, and move through this life, this test with courage, uh, without fear, then we get to go home and there's no place like home. And the whole thing with the, that you had the power all along, she thought it was the shoes, but it wasn't the shoes. She had this power that she didn't even know about. I'm getting chills all over my entire body. Right. Spirit well, see, is this validating is this. That's crazy. This is this is what happens when, I mean, I've watched that movie 20 times growing up. I've watched it 200, 300 times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then I'm just like starting to put this together and, you know, I, talked about it on a couple of podcasts and it always gets the same reaction yeah. because everyone knows that movie and suddenly it's it in this new context yes of, you know there there is a divine hand in our world and yes we have all these horrible tests that we're going to go through but it's just fun and yeah. and they're always there and the answers to this, the biggest questions uh, about who are we and what are we doing here, they're, they're in our mainstream. They're in our song lyrics and books and movies and, you know, everything's always fine. Yeah. I love that. I could talk with you for hours um, and I want you to stay on with me after because I have some stuff I want to run by you mediumship wise. But 
I think that is a perfect place to end with the analogy and the the symbolism of the Wizard of Oz, uh, the great and powerful Oz, and the. I almost wondered too: are they are the lion, are the lion, the scarecrow, and the Tin Man parts of Dorothy? And like, oh, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Um, but I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story for the umpteenth time, and for sharing the insights that you've gleaned, and for being you, just for being uh, because you are with the with the wisdom you have and your soul and your love of animals and just being the kind person that you are we just need more people to keep spreading the love and the light and that's why i really thank you for continuing to speak even though you've told the story so many times because i think even if there's one new person who hasn't heard your story it's just spreading out I almost said infinitesimally. Is that a word? I think it is. Um, and so I just want to thank you for for taking the time to show up and and participate and to share your thoughts with me and my listeners. No, you're welcome. They're welcome. That's very very kind words. I'm well. Thank you. Such I'm a honored. pleasure having you. I'm I'm honored that you are here. So thanks again, Bill Letson, for sharing your story. Yeah, you're welcome.